Focus. Focus up. All right, welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of The Rubio Method. We have a phenomenal guest, a wonderful show, another fantastic Minute with Monahan. On today's show, we will be covering singing, airplanes, the dude, sports, lots and lots of sports, and how to speak to others on a plane or not on a plane. All of that and much more on The Rubio Method. Big T, let it rain. Focus. Focus up. What's going on, Brandon? This one's for you. I know you're watching out there, so I want to give you a little bit of a shout out. All right, Monahan, let's jump into your segment right now. A minute with Monahan. Remember, this is Monahan's got one minute to give us some great, great tips. Go. All right, guys, we got another really good one for you today. Five ways that you can improve your mental health. First and foremost, number one is connect with people. Guys, we are made to be connected with others. So whether it be uh, grabbing a drink with the boys, you know, hanging out, just catch up, reach out to somebody, just connect, and I'm telling you, it's, it's going to really make a difference in your life. Number two is being physically active. Those endorphins that start cooking in the brain when you start going on a run, working out, needless to say, also your, your body gets in shape, you're looking good, so that's another way to improve your mental health. Number three, one that we don't always think about is learn a new skill. When you're learning a new skill, it feels like your life is back on a mission, you're moving forward, you're accomplishing something, and again, just like number two, your, self, your self-esteem starts to grow. So that's a big one right there. Number four, give to others. Give, 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 guys. Everybody knows it feels good to give. So, um, you know, that could be your time, right? Give to a friend, help somebody out. Um, it could be, hey, handing out a couple bucks to, to a pal or hitting one of my favorite things is to Venmo a buddy and say, here, grab a cup of Joe. It's on me and totally surprises them and it feels great. And then the last one, number five, number five, is pay attention to the present moment. As uh, Chuck Pagano would say, be where your feet are, Barsh. <laughs> Make sure you are where your feet are. Be present uh, because, you know, the tomorrow has a ton of worries that, that, that is enough for it. So, hey, be present, be mindful, and your mental health will sure to be better. Monahan, I think you went over the minute, but it was well worth it because that was so fantastic. I love number f- I loved them all, but number five, I especially <laughs> like, because one of the things my friends and family are always trying to rip on me about is that I'm always on my phone, always on my phone, always on my phone. And what I'll do is I'll make sure as soon as I'm not on my phone and I see them on their phone, I'll just send them a nice little quick text that says, wherever you are, be there. And they get so pissed, but it's, it's just my little thing. So, Monahan, I love those fives. Do we have some website or email questions? Remember, you can email us, rubio at therubiomethod.com. You guys have been doing fantastic on all those, so keep them coming. Monahan, hit me. What do you got? Here we go. This one comes from Dean from San Antonio. He says, Monahan and Rubio, you both seem very outgoing and enjoy a crowd. So, I can see both of you guys crushing it at a karaoke bar. What is your go-to song? Rubio, I'm taking it right off the bat. It's the Humpty Dance. Man, the Humpty <laughs> Dance. No chance to do the hump. <laughs> That's my jam. <laughs> what about you, Rubio? 
Monahan, secret here, I've never ever sang karaoke. But I will say this, my wife yells at me all the time. She's like, you need to do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I know I don't have a good voice. Why would I just go and embarrass myself? But Monahan, have you ever been to a true karaoke bar? I say it that oh. way because the one that I went to, I was at UCLA, had uh, a little Asian sweet mate, and he goes, let's go to this karaoke bar. And I, I, you know, I've only heard karaoke. I'm like, what the hell is a karaoke bar? He goes, where you sing words. You know, you sing songs, but they put the lyrics. I go, oh, karaoke. He goes, no, no, no. The true believers call it karaoke. And I'm like, okay, man. So we were like in downtown LA, go to this back door of this deli. All of a sudden had a knock on the door three times and say like, panda, 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 grasshopper, grasshopper, grasshopper. And then the door opens. And then we go in and sure as hell, we go through this like cave-like structure, underground subway or something. And they open up this, it, it was almost like a Denny's. There was just booths everywhere. And they are really, really, really into their kid okay. My hand, we'll have to talk about this at another time because the story kind of veers off path a little bit. But I'm just saying, if you ever have a chance to go to a kid okay bar, jump at it. Yeah, I need more. I, you can't just leave us with that. Another episode, <laughs> give me more. Uh, next one comes from Kevin in Nevada. Hey, guys, if you had to sit and talk to someone on a long flight, would you choose to sit next to someone you agree or disagree with? Rubio, I already know how you're going to answer, but give the people what they want. <laughs> okay, so the, the key thing is we had to speak because when I roll into a plane my hand, I know you're the same way. I literally have sunglasses on. I have my uh, headphones on. It's like the international sign of don't even bother trying to speak to me. It's just it's not don't one of those things I want to do. You're basically trapped in this tube of metal. All right, so, but if I had to, you know me, I would love, as long as they were civil, I would love to have a fantastic discussion slash argument with someone for as long as possible, simply because I like to see where they're, where they're coming from, what they're thinking. Like I said, as long as they're not like throwing puppies at me or something like that, I would love, love to have a nice argument with someone. Monan? Hey, I'm with you. I put my hood up, earphones on, sunglasses, don't talk to me. That was the only nice thing about masks is you could cover your face up even more and it's more of a sign, don't talk to me. <laughs> but you know me, I like to agree. I'm an agreeable guy, harmonious. Let's let that rain. Last question, uh, Dane from Lake Tahoe, Monahan and Rubio. What are your favorite movies and TV shows? Rubio, I'm going to take it first. Saving Private Ryan, I mentioned it in a previous show. That's my favorite movie of all time. Got to buzz that thing out at least three or four times a year. And then favorite show, come on, I'm a hockey guy. Go Avs, go. You know, I've got a Hawks flag flying there. Is <laughs> Letter Kenny. Need that. <laughs> well, my hand, a little disappointed in your answer because my favorite TV show is obviously The Rubio Method that you can see on oh. YouTube, Spotify, Google. <laughs> 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 yeah, you guys can see you guys do great, great jobs here in that. Make sure you check out therubiomethod.com and email any questions, Rubio at the Rubio Method. But also my uh, my second favorite TV show is Letterkenny. Very quick, very dry, very, very witty. Uh, my favorite movies, I've got a couple obviously behind me. You can see The Big Lebowski, love that. I'm a big fan of Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen it a billion times. And huge, huge fan of Fool's Rush In. I know it's like a kind of a cheesy rom-com, but it's very very funny to me. My hand, that was a phenomenal segment. We're going to come back after the break with our fantastic guest, Big T. Let it ring. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. 
We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for help with food, healthcare, and other resources. 211, how can I help you? Call 211 or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. Focus. Focus up. All right, we are back. Remember, if you have any questions for the Rubio Method, just email rubio at therubiomethod.com. You guys have done a great job sharing the podcast on YouTube, Google, Amazon, and, of course, Spotify. Keep doing that. Subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. We have a phenomenal guest. Welcome, Tim Claiborne. Very happy to have you out here. Thanks for, all, for opening up the next hour of your time. We won't take that long, but just in case, let me tell you a little bit about Tim. This guy is phenomenal. Founder of Locker Room Sports Community and Pro Athletes Helping Kids. He has started Athlete Entrepreneur Magazine and Podcast, which are both coming soon. Tim has more than 25 years of experience in the sports industry within the e-commerce, cause marketing, and event production. And he's currently partnered with NFL Hall of Famer Marshall Falk and sports industry leader David Meltzer in the Virtuity, Virtuity, I can't say that word, platform to help former athletes build businesses helping families to gain access to life-changing financial education. Tim, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Chris, it's great to talk to you. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to start with three just real quick, easy questions, kind of loosen you up, get everyone to see exactly who you are and just how, how quick you are. But they're very, very basic, easy questions. So number one, if you could be a part of any sports team in history, what would it be and why? Um, I think I would be sort of a kind of a hybrid position. San Diego Padres, I'd be the um, owner slash manager slash starting shortstop. So I'm not sure if that role is really going to be open for me anytime at, you know, 45 years old, but that's definitely the, that's definitely the goal. So. I'm okay with that. I've been to one Padres game one time. This was back in like late eighties. Only thing I remember about it, there was two grand slams in the same inning and then the fight broke out. I think they were playing the Dodgers. So phenomenal. Right. Yeah, have some good fights back then. <laughs> uh, Tim, what was your first car and did you name it? My first car was a 1987 Camaro and no, I did not name it. I got in some trouble in it, but I didn't name it. So I was going to say, if you had a Camaro in high school, you are causing issues. There's no doubt about that. Tim, last one, living or dead, who's one person you would like to meet and why? One person I would like to meet. Um, I think I would like to meet Jackie Robinson. I'm, I'm a big baseball guy, and just you know, obviously his his impact not only not only on the game, but just on on culture and society in general, just the the larger world. So I think that's somebody I'd love to meet. And also a five star or five athlete, five sport athlete at UCLA. Hell of, hell of yeah, you had to throw that in, right? Yeah, five sports. It was like baseball, basketball, football, track. What is it for? 
There's got to be. A, I don't know what the last one is, but just an incredible oh, human being. All right, Tim, let's get into the real, real questions here. Going through your overall bio, and you've been a founder of several things. I mean, you've started a lot of stuff, and they're all mostly about bringing people together. So I got to ask, what motivates you so much to help others? Well, I feel like there's a lot of ways, you know, a lot of ways you can be creative, a lot of ways you can start a business or make money, but you might as well find a way that to do it that's that's going to be impactful and that's going to be about more than yourself, right? And so that's where I kind of kind of first got into into cause marketing and working with with nonprofits, and that's just kind of the the role the role that I feel the best in. So. Which which one of the things that you founded that have helped others do you like the most? You know, I'm really enjoying. Honestly, I really love doing the stuff with the nonprofits, and that, and that was tough during during COVID. We you know we <laughs> all the event stuff went away, but really, my my I think like my sweet spot is sort of that synergy between between sports and sort of community philanthropy, and then entrepreneurship. Just kind of all kind of all blended in there, being able to bring a lot of different stakeholders together. And there's something that's really that's really, you know, unifying about sports that's just unique to, to most things in, in this world. So. Have you always been someone who just gives more than they receive? And have you always been involved in sports? Um, I mean, the first part, I guess that sounds, yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of arrogant to so, say, yeah, of course I give more than I receive. But yeah, I guess, I mean, I like to be a giver and I feel like when you give first, then people, people want to, you know, they want to support you, right? So. Uh, you know the world's full of people that are trying to take, trying to manipulate, and it's real obvious they think it's not, but it is. And so um, I just don't want to be that way, you know. And like I said, sports has always been something that's been a huge part of my life since I was a little kid. And obviously, as you get older, the the, the role changes, right? But it's still just an awesome community to be a part of. And there's so many ways you can be involved in it. Whether you're as a you know you're not a player anymore, but you're you're a coach, you're a parent. You're, you know, you're involved in all these things that are going on in, in the community and in the professional, you know, sports community as well. You know. And have you always been involved in sports, playing sports? Give us a little bit about your sports background, Tim. So my sports background, um, I, I grew up playing uh, baseball and football, and, and, I, and I probably loved that as, as much as anything else, which was weird because um, I didn't have an I didn't have an older brother. Um, my dad, you know, my dad was as supportive as he was, but he's kind of about as unathletic and uninterested in sports man as you're going to find, you know? And so kind of started doing these things and, and I, and I loved it from day one. And, um, you know, I, I, I got, I got myself into some trouble in, through, through high school and I had a lot, I had a lot of struggles with, with mental, you know, mental health issues and which turned into, you know, addiction and some other behaviors. And I, I kind of derailed a lot of what, I was doing athletically, you know, and then I, I came back at the at the junior college level, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get get back into baseball, get back into football, and you know, it's a little it's a little it's a little tougher than, than I wanted to, and so I think I lived through a lot a lot of years where I kind of had this gap, where there, there was a lot of uh, you know there was a lot of regret because I'm like, okay, when I was 14, 15, I was at the same level as all these guys who wound up playing professionally or wound up you know doing really well, but I didn't follow that same path, and so. Um, I've always, I've always loved it. I've always wanted to be around it. I think you realize too, as you, as you get older, whenever your sports playing days, how much you, you know, how much you miss being around the game, how much you miss the communities that you, 
formed through sports. And, that, and that's, I think that's a big part of what, I, what I'm trying to do with the locker room community is like when I talk to athletes, whether they play in high school or they play through college or they play 20 years professionally, um, it's not even the game so much that they really miss. It's just, it's that like connection that they have with their teammates and it's those locker room experiences and it's the community and relationships that they have that they don't necessarily have anymore that they're not finding, you know, in, in the corporate world or whatever, now that they've, now that they've moved on. So. Yeah. Like, so and I both played... No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm saying there's just, there's so many ways to, to, to be involved, you know, in, in the sports world in so many capacities and, you know, we all, we all, uh, you know, make mistakes and, and miss opportunities and that's, that's just life. Right. But you, you, you know, you move on and, and learn from it and try to help people, you know, do, do better than some of the things you did. Yeah, and Bonnie and I both played Division One football, and everyone always asks me, what was it like? What do you miss? What do you? And I, number one thing, you just took it right out of my mouth, is I miss the locker room. You miss the plane rides. You miss the bus rides. You miss the hotels. You miss all the stupid BS. The amount of time you miss on the field, there's like five or six total plays that I actually remember. I mean, I was a long snapper, so I think my total time on the field was like 37 minutes, 26 seconds. But it's, it's those locker room moments right. where you're just making fun of each other and the BS and doing this and, hey, don't talk about my mom. Well, now I'm going to definitely talk about your mom. And it's one of those things where you just get right. going on that and that and that. And speaking of the locker room sports community, you brought this around during the height of the pandemic to keep athletes and sports professionals connected. What was the biggest challenge, and this, this you can go anywhere this, of getting that going during the pandemic and where do you see it going now that the sports are back in a live format? Well, you know, right, it was right about 2020, that, right about the beginning of 2020, right before COVID started that I decided I'm going to go all in on, on the event thing. You know, I want to, I want to create all these charity fan events and, and do lots of, you know, fun sports experiences and, and be able to, you know, connect people that way. And then that just shuts down. Right. And so right here in Arizona during spring training, um, you've got all these baseball guys that are just, they have no idea what to do. They're locked out of the facilities. They can't use gyms. They can't do anything. Everybody's just kind of sitting around waiting, like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do next? The whole sports and events world is just shut down out of nowhere. And so it was kind of an unusual opportunity, but all of a sudden everybody was accessible, you know, and, and this Zoom thing was starting to become a big deal, you know, which some people had used before, but not most. And so a lot of it was just, let's just get on here and we'll just hang out and people were just talking and telling stories and, um, that type of stuff. And then, you know, there were some athletes that had business projects with, I was like, well, we kind of make these networking events and we can, we could bring people together around sports. And, you know, um, there was something that created this kind of instant rapport when you bring people together, like I said, through sports, even if there's, um, even if they're very different other ways, you know, and so it, it's been really cool because I'm thinking, Oh, we'll see if there's any interest. We'll throw it out there. And, and it's grown really, really fast. And, you know, you get people from all over the country, all over the world. We have people that, you know, jump on the meetings from the UK and Europe. And I, I don't even know how they found out about it, but they do. They do somehow, you know. And so it, it's, it's at a cool point now where, you know, we're able to get back to doing in-person events. And you can have, you know, you get people together locally and you get people together at major sporting events. But I think there's always going to be a there's always going to be a role for the, the virtual stuff, especially because, it's so easy to, to, you know, gather people from all over the world into, into one room the way you, the way you can't necessarily do in, in person. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, Tim, 
Uh, you have been a part of the Little League community for 15 years, almost 15 years. So what advice, I mean, you get, you see it all the time, dads yelling at umps, you know, people going nuts, parents. But what advice do you have to those parents out there, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, of the baseball players that, you know, what advice would you give to them, you know, while they watch their kids grow up? Right. Well, I mean, I've, it's funny. I've spent all these years in, in Little League, and, and my son just recently, within the last year, he moved on to, you know, he's officially at the, at the club ball level. And so it, it's even, it's the stuff you're talking about, it's even, it's even worse there, you know. And for a long time, we, um, I didn't push it. I let, him, I let him develop. I didn't rush it. Like, he was always getting recruited because he was probably the best kid in the Little League who wasn't already on a club ball team, you know. And I was like, I, you don't need to do that at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. Just be a kid, play other sports, you know, enjoy yourself. And if you're self-motivated to want to, you know, really want to go farther and want to push yourself, then, then we'll do it. But one thing that really helped me actually a lot was having a lot of conversations with, um, with, with dads who were former MLB players or, or who are, you know, even currently coaching in the major leagues. And it's really interesting when you go to a game and you see these guys or you talk to them about how they behave at their games. They're very, very hands off. They're they're the furthest guy from the field. They're way down in the outfit. You can barely even find them. And it's it's these dads that have never played anything before and have no idea what they're talking about. That are standing up at the fence, screaming at them and trying to micromanage them and like literally trying to give them advice in the middle of their at bat and stuff like that. And it's just um just I mean just let kids be kids. Like it, it's it's kind of sad to see. Um. You look on one side of the fence where the kids are, and of course they want to win, and of course they're competing. But it's almost like the stakes are higher on the other side of the fence where the parents are. Like this, these people are really, really invested in this. Like, it, it's these are thirteen-year-old kids. It's developmental baseball. Like nobody's gonna remember who won this tournament in a, in a year from now. It's not gonna it's not gonna make any difference in anybody's life. And um, I, I see the pressure too as we've gotten away from the multi-sport culture. You know where they want kids to pick something at eight, nine years old and start and start training as if they're professional athletes. And, and there's this weird disconnect too, because if you talk to, if you talk to players who have made it to the highest levels, whether it's major league baseball, the NFL, other sports, when you talk to coaches, when you talk to scouts, they want those well-rounded kids. They want the multi-sport athletes. And those are the ones that, that wind up eventually going further, even though people have this misguided idea that if I just push them and make them do it, and, and, you know, like I said, make them choose this like they are a professional athlete at age 10 that they're somehow going to make it. And you just you see kids get burned out and they they, they lose they lose love of the game and they just don't they don't want to do it anymore. I've met many, many kids who you can tell they don't they, they don't really enjoy it. And they'll be honest with you. And they'll say, I, I, I'm just doing this because my parents make me do it or, or they really excel at it until 14, 15, 16. And then they're just they're just tired of it. They don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, Monahan and I were just talking about that beforehand. Tim, last question. You're obviously very, very involved in the sports world, uh, over 25 years from Little League all the way to Major League Baseball, NFL. Recently, there was an issue with Jack Del Rio, uh, NFL football coach, where he made some statements regarding the um, January 6th incident and the riots during the summer of 2020. He's been fined $100,000 for his comments. My question to you is, at what point do we want our coaches, our players, our athletes to be accessible, like you said earlier, and have their own voice? 
or right. do we want them to not be accessible and have their own voice and just basically be a puppet and make the exact same statement over and over and over again? Bottom line, which one do you think is better or is there a better? Yeah, I think a lot of people are really confused now about what, what, what direction they're supposed to go with that. And um, like I'm feeling like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm in a position like I was a coach, there's just, no matter what your views are, it's almost like there's really not much upside right now to get involved in something like a political statement and or, you know come out publicly and do it because it, it feels like no matter what you say, you're gonna anger some people and there's gonna be consequences. And I think we're just, we've gotten so, we've gotten so divided where it's kind of like, yes, we tell people, we want you to be yourself, we want you to speak out, we want you to be honest. And then a lot of times people do, <laughs> then we don't, we don't respond real well. We, want, we don't respond real well to that. So yeah, I, think it, I think it's a really tough situation for people that are in, that are in, you know, in the public view and in the spotlight because anyone should have the right to, you know, express themselves or to, to start a conversation if they feel it's relevant. But then a lot of times, you know, you see, you see the backlash as well. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, the NBC reporter, uh, Michelle Tafoya. Shout out to Michelle Tafoya. I would love to have you as a uh, guest on the show. Where she just finally, she'd been doing NBC sideline for the uh, NFL for a bazillion years. And she all of a sudden just said, I'm done. I'm quitting because she kind of just said, I need to voice my opinion. And I'm not allowed to. And I just don't want to be in this, you know, puppet, puppet master situation. And she basically just quit. And she started her own podcast and she's doing a great job. But I mean, yeah, she, she basically like what you said, she finally, at some point, she came out with a different opinion and everyone kind of went off on her. But she's like, I, I had to do it. There's no way I can keep saying the same exact cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste comments. I'm a human being and I need to have some sort of comments that are not just robotic statements. Right. Yeah, well, no, I mean, what do you it's, think? It's, it's a tough situation. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Tim. No, it's just a tough situation, and I, and I, and I honestly, I, I feel bad for, you know, sometimes you'll hear somebody say something in the media or they, or they, or they, they tweet something, and, and you're just instantly like, okay, that's, that's really offensive or that's stupid, and you kind of don't feel bad for them. But then there's other times where, you know, I, I heard what he said, and I don't think it was extremely tactful, and I don't, I don't know that it was – you know, he could he could have said it better. I'm not necessarily sure if that was the forum he'd want to say it in, but for something for him to say he's he's going to be fined or people are going to be threatening him for his job or something like that, it's it that's a that's a kind of crazy world for, for people to be living in. You know, Tim, where can people find you? What can you pump out for us right now? Tell brag about yourself a little bit. What do you got going in the works right now? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, locker room. Locker Room Sports Community or Locker Room Community, excuse me, called LockerRoomCommunity.com. Um, and that's, we do a lot of, you do a lot of events on there, like I said, both uh, both live and, and virtual events. And that's pretty much open to anyone who's either, either, you know, a current or former athlete or they're working, you know, sports professionals. So we've got a lot, a lot of pro athletes and coaches that are part of that. We've got, you know, people that are kind of like on the sports tech side, nonprofits, front office staff, media, a little, little bit of everybody. Um, I always love connecting with people on LinkedIn as well. That's, I don't do a ton of social media, but that's that's kind of where I like to hang out. Um, and then I've got you know my my personal website, which is just timclaywarren.com, which kind of has a little bit of information on on some of the other projects we we've got going on as well. So. 
All right, Tim, thanks again for coming out with us. You did a great job. If anyone has any questions for uh, Tim or Monahan or myself, email rubio at therubiomethod.com. Keep doing a great job of sh sharing the Rubio Method on YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Amazon podcasts. Big T, let it rain. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for help with food, health care, and other resources. 211, how can I help you? Call 211 or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. Focus. Focus up. Levi, I'm talking to you. Focus up, Levi. All right. Monhan, what did you think of Tim? He had a ton of great, great info. What were your thoughts? Dude, I love guys. You can just tell he's just so well-spoken. I love guys that just, you hear them and they know exactly what they're saying. They know exactly where they're going. Uh, that always intrigues me. So that was probably one of my favorite parts of interviewing with Tim. Yeah, and he, it, crazy how much of a giver he is. He reminded me a lot of uh, Darren Utnick of Bernie's Book Bank, just where they had their plan, they know what they're doing, they're focused, and you just, you know, like you even talked about it earlier, and he kind of just recapped it of, it's better to give sometimes than receive, so that, that was that was great. Loved it, big fan, yes, I noticed that too, so I'm going to have to get connected with the locker, and that sounds awesome, because I don't know about you, Rubio, but ever since 2015, when I hung him up, I've been chasing that feeling, man, being in the locker room. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're at the final segment of the show. Remember, you can share this show and subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Amazon podcast. More coming soon, and you can always email Rubio at therubiomethod.com. All right, we're at the bottom line segment. Remember, I'm a bottom line guy. It gets me into trouble a lot of times with Monahan, my wife, everyone else, uh, just because I'm so just bottom line. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So here's the stuff. The stuff, that's the real technical term for Rubio, of things, <laughs> that's another great technical term for Rubio. I'm really cavemaning it up right now, I'm on hand. Hey, huh, the baby, stuff of the things off. that you should have learned throughout the show. Number one, learn how to talk with those you don't agree with in a civil manner. Remember that question we had about being on an airplane? Learn how to argue. Learn how to hold your emotions in check, learn how to argue with facts, not emotions. That's going to get you a long, long way in life. Number two, helping others will help you. Helping others will help you. Monahan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was number four. Give, give out to others. It's so cool because Tim mentioned it too. So, hey, that was a big theme of the show today. <laughs> yeah. And finally, last but not least, something negative can definitely bring about 
something positive. It, we talked about it with Monan. You're having some sort of issue. Here's five ways to kind of counter that issue. And Tim also brought it up as well. That's how he started the locker room sports community where, you know, there was a negative. Oh, and the Rona hits. What are we going to do? All the players don't know what the hell is happening. No one knew what the hell was happening. Let's try to get everyone together through this thing called Zoom or meetings or whatever the hell it's called. And let's just kind of get everyone together. And now he's snowballing this and it's become this great, great thing. So something negative can definitely bring about something positive. Monahan, we did it. Episode 9. Tim was great. You were great. The fans are great. Keep sharing on YouTube, Spotify, Google, Amazon. E email Rubio at the Rubio Method, uh, com. Rubio at the Rubio Method com. We did it. Episode 9. Keep sharing, everyone. Big T, let it rain. <laughs>